0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. Hey, everybody, I'm Thomas Frank, and welcome back to the College Info Geek podcast. This show is meant to help you improve your college experience in all different areas, including study tips, getting the jobs you want, managing your money, and all sorts of other cool stuff. And on today's show, I'm talking to my friend Katie Dwyer, who runs MyCollegeAdvice.org, another awesome college blog where she talks about internships, volunteering, studying abroad, and all sorts of other topics. So if you like College and Geek, you should also check out her site. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of those topics. But first, if you want to get my book, on earning awesome grades, you can go over to collegeinfogeek.com slash book. And the show notes for this episode, you'll find at cigpodcast.com. Scroll down to the episode 54 link and you'll find links to anything we talk about and ways to subscribe to the show, which you should definitely do if you like it. It helps bump the show up the rankings in iTunes, helps me out, and also gets you the new episodes wherever you listen at 6 a.m. Monday morning central. So that's all I got for this intro. I'm in New York City this week, and I'm surprised that I'm actually getting all this stuff done in preparation. But uh, yeah, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the show, Katie.
1: Thanks. Good to be here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Great to be talking to you. So uh, I've been following your blog for a while, like I told you before we started recording here. And I didn't know though that you'd gotten two master's degrees for free and you told me you got them like primarily through volunteering.
1: Yeah, totally. So um, the first one was um, I I went to the University of Oregon as an undergrad and was really involved in a bunch of programs that were partly out in the community and partly run through the university. And so when I started thinking about what I wanted to do when I graduated, I decided I wanted to stay in Oregon and keep working with those programs. And okay. so I ended up getting a fully funded graduate teaching fellowship that allowed me to keep working with those programs and with the university um, and get a master's degree for free That's or so for cool. part of my pay. <laughs> um, being a graduate teaching fellow is really hard, but it's yeah, also I
0: bet. So, cheaper than. Yeah. So you got this uh, as a result of volunteer work. Like, was there some sort of application process that you'd had to go through for a scholarship then?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. it, it was, so it was a, a teaching fellowship. So that's, you know, anyone who's teaching, who's a graduate student who's teaching at the universities, generally they get funded, they get their tuition free plus a bit of money and they work. Um, I was working 20 hours a week. really hard, um, but got to keep working with it. So, um, and then because of both that early teaching experience and then, um, based on my interview, I know that a lot of why I got my second scholarship was, um, because of my volunteering. So I got a Mitchell scholarship, which is like a Rhodes, but for Ireland or Northern Ireland. And that was to fully fund me to go and do a master's degree for a year. Um,
0: and so that was for the second master's degree. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. It was, I don't even it have one awesome. master's degree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was great, and it, it was it was amazing because um, I love being a student, and I I really um, feel like being an engaged student made me um, both better academically and made my learning a lot more valuable and a lot more fun, and so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool to get to keep doing that. <laughs>
0: that sounds fun. So I guess before we dive into that, my question is, are you originally from Ireland or are you originally from Oregon?
1: I'm from, um, I'm actually from Colorado. So oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah. you're in Ireland now? Um, I just got back. Yeah, I lived. So okay, I did okay. a master's degree and then I stayed for almost two years after I finished and uh, nice. then made the mistake of visiting some friends in Portland and was <laughs> like, oh shoot, <laughs> that's where I belong. Portland's so, now I'm back. so beautiful. It's gorgeous. Though
0: I've only been there during that like tiny little window in July when it's nice and sunny. So yeah. everyone was like, Oh man, this is not how it is usually. Usually it's yeah. like dreary and we're all sad. <laughs> usually
1: yeah, usually it looks a lot like Ireland. But uh Oh, is that what a, Ireland like,
0: looks like too? Yeah.
1: A lot of rain.
0: <laughs> you know, I think I remember that because Anna and I were, were planning on going there at some point. Um, we were gonna go there, I think, last year. Didn't end up working out, but we were doing all this research and people were like, Yeah, it's gonna rain like every day. Just yeah. get used to it.
1: <laughs> and then if it stops raining, people will start complaining about how hot it is instantly. But uh, That's yeah, if you do you. End up if you do want to go, I can recommend some great uh, great trip itineraries for you.
0: Oh, that so. would be awesome. I know you want to go see the cliffs. And yeah. Anna has this like romantic notion of going to get a beer in a, in a proper Irish pub. But I've read that proper Irish pubs are, I don't know, not what you'd expect, maybe?
1: It depends on where <laughs> you are. If you go to Galway... Um, which you'd be in the right part of the country if you go to the Cliffs of Moher. Then yeah, you'll have, you'll find like grizzled old people playing trad music, and everyone else just kind of watching and listening and mm. drinking pints, and it's awesome. Uh, so yeah, you can totally get authentic, amazing Irish pubs, okay. uh, especially out on the west coast. It's it's very cool, and Dublin's awesome too. But yeah, yeah, yeah there's definitely tourist trap places, but that's not everything that's
0: there. Okay. So. Well, I definitely look forward to doing that. So let's dive into, I guess, this experience of getting all this volunteer experience you had and how you were able to, I guess, parlay that into getting a scholarship. But yeah, one question okay. I have is that uh, you, you mentioned like this idea of turning a passion into a career.
1: Yeah. And
0: totally. I don't know if you listened to the episode with Cal Newport that I've done on this podcast, but I, I sort of have like a different idea of like passion and what you should do with it. So I guess, what are your thoughts on like following your passion and I guess like putting in the work before you do that? What what did it end up being for you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, so remind me. So I I feel like I did listen to that um, episode. So basically that, um, you know, you can't really have a, like a lot of people don't have a passion Mm. predetermined. And then also kind of, you you need to follow an interest until you figure out what your passion is. Is that about what
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think basically him and I are of the same mind that there's a lot of this sort of like figure out what your passion is, just sort of magically advice, and then just follow it because anybody can do anything, right? Like sunshines and rainbows. And what we both advocate is, you know, you might not know what a passion is that you have right now, or you might feel like you have one, but maybe you don't have the career capital and skills to take that and make money off of it. So you need to put in a lot of work to develop that career capital and develop those skills. And match it up with a passion that you may or may not know you have yet.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, well, okay. So let me tell you where I'm coming from, and then you can tell me if we're in agreement or disagreement. Because okay. I think I think it's simpatico. I think we I think we can we can say that. So basically, I think that um, so there are people who feel like they have passions, or at least have interests, or have skills that they want to develop. Whether that's maybe photography or international development, whatever it is. But so I, I essentially think that. Passions become actionable through experience. Mm. So, so you basically, it's, it's very similar. So you, you focus in on something that you think sounds awesome, whether it's an experience that you know, comes into your mind because you're here at, advertised on campus, or you decide I really want to pursue photography or whatever it might be. And you so, so find an opportunity and follow through on that. And, and by doing that, then you'll gain the skills to move forward to one step more interesting from that, or you'll learn that that's not a good fit. And then you can make kind of a reassessment.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the one step more interesting from that. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice, because I think a lot of people, you know, they think of a passion as like X job or, you know, X thing that you may be doing 20 years from now. Or five years yeah, from now and totally. they don't necessarily see the smaller steps in between, you know, where you are now and that.
1: Totally. Or, or people get really overwhelmed because it's really easy to think like, I want to change the world, and yeah. which is totally ad- admirable. It's wonderful. But so, uh, um, but you could get frozen in that. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and you can also start thinking, you know, unless it changes the world, nothing is enough. You know, yes. but so so you start small and you start local and you and you go okay. Well, that organization on my campus is changing part of the world, <laughs> um, yeah. or is changing the world in a big way. But they're here and they're doing one thing here, so I'm going to start with that. Um, and I, I think that that you know, really thinking strategically about your interests and your passions, and then paying attention to what works for you, is really important. Because um, you could get involved with something and find out, like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do, but I cannot do the public speaking part of it. Okay. And so I want to find a way to be the behind the scenes guy. Or you could um, you know, throw yourself at something and learn like, wow, that organization isn't quite right for me, but I do really like working with that population. And so six months in, you could say, you could go to another organization in your community and say, um, I've been working with this organization. You could talk to these people who you already know about me and my work. And I learned how to do this, this, and this. And I would love to come and work with you.
0: Cool. So like solidify this for me with your own experience. Are there some yeah. like, examples that you can give? And so I guess I should ask, is volunteering your passion then? Or like, what, is, what do you consider to be yours? <laughs> and um, how did your volunteer experience sort of get you closer to it?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, this is something I was actually thinking about when you were talking with Cal before, because he also <laughs> recommends to do one thing, right?
0: School yeah.
1: plus one, mm-hmm. right? And, and I just kept thinking like, oh my gosh, I did so many things, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, And that's okay, but his advice is to say like, don't get overwhelmed and don't do anything poorly because you want to fill your resume and be really impressive. But um, so I have multiple passions. Um, I my my early and one of the things that really got me going on this track was um, my freshman year. I saw a flyer in a hallway for a classroom that was uh, or for a class that was in literature and it was going to be offered at the state penitentiary with half college students and half inmates. Really? And I had this like like my immediate visceral reaction was yes. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds totally unlike anything I've ever done and that's what college is about, right? Like having a life transforming or just a different experience. So um, so I took this class, and they're actually offered around the country at a bunch of different colleges. It started at um, Temple University in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, but So I took a class. We read Dostoevsky um, and discussed crime and punishment and the House of the Dead uh, with half college freshmen and half um, inmates at the maximum security uh, prison in Oregon. And so I took that class, and and had this just incredible experience of discussing literature in a really deep way and looking at prisons in a way that you don't ever think about prisons. People generally don't. Um, They basically just think like the bad people are there and I'm out here. And so that's keeping me safe. Um, And they don't, you know, people don't think critically about a lot of things. Um, But so I did that experience and um, it's really interesting because that group of students have used that experience in all these different ways. There's some people that then got really excited about education and how, um, you know, early education can change lives and maybe have people not end up in prison. There's um, so there's people that took that class that are now doing teach for America or are now teachers. Hmm. Um, There's people that have kind of went from there and thought, Oh, you know, it's all about discussion and dialogue and I want to learn more. And so they've actually applied that to travel and, Other things. Um, I have a friend who's working at a juvenile facility now. And then I ended up going, I love this program. (laughs) I want to work with this. So I ended up becoming, um, I got trained as an instructor during my junior year and then helped mentor new professors into teaching these classes. And that was part of what I did as a graduate fellow. Um, So
0: you did this more than once, then you were actually doing this class quite a few times.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went from being a student to being a um, co-instructor in it. And that was one of the things that then, um, so I was studying sociology and comparative literature. So this was a nice dovetail. I took classes in prison stuff. I took classes in dialogue and, you know, engaged education and all of this really nerdy stuff that I was both really, really loved as an academic and got to engage with in the real world, which was awesome. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. So I guess one question people might be thinking, and I'm thinking like, did they have to do a lot to sell this kind of a class to the average student? Or is there like a very particular kind of student who just goes like you did? Yes, I'll do it without much convincing needed.
1: Um, I think it's, I mean, it's a very weird subset of the student population Mm. that's going to think yes, but there were, um, there were science students that did it. I mean, it was across the board. It wasn't just uh lit people are crazy people like me. Um, so yeah, it was a really across the board um, people who were kind of thinking it's kind of in a, in a way it's a little bit like study abroad where it's people mm-hmm. who want to get out of their comfort zone. And um, it's also the kind of people that are often interested in experiential learning. So getting out in the community, talking with, you know, at risk youth or, you know, so yeah, the, we actually yeah. there's an interview process to get to do the class, and okay. so um, we we always had more applicants than we had students. Um, so that both, first
0: that first master's uh, degree was based on this, then.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, it was. Um, it's and uh, I did a conflict resolution degree. And, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and it was really good. Um,
0: so was this the experience that sort of gave you the inspiration to start my college advice then?
1: Yeah, it, was, it has a lot to do with it. Um, because, I, um, because I stayed and was then a master's student and was helping teach these classes, I ended up talking to a lot of younger students about you know, decisions around their majors or you know, internships they wanted to do or where to study abroad. And I love talking about that stuff. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was a lot of the inspiration. And then the other inspiration was I finished my second master's degree and started being in the real world and missed (laughs) school. (laughs) So I like to call it my um, project in productive nostalgia. (laughs) I love that. So did
0: you actually start it when you were done with both degrees then? Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it's funny when I started mine as a student. So as I neared graduation, I was like really wrestling with myself, like can I even keep running this once I'm done? Like I'm going to become an old, like an old man who's <laughs> out of touch. <laughs> Why do you kids have iPads in the classroom? That kind of thing.
1: Do you feel that way though?
0: Mm-mm, you know, it's, it's so funny. I had people tell me this too. They're like, you're going to graduate and you're going to get older. And then you're, there's going to be nothing left to say. It has been the exact opposite. Yeah, I find that now that, you know, I'm a postgrad, I have more perspective. One on the fact that college is not like this completely separate life from the working world. It's more of an evolution. You know, it's from you do formal education and now, now you're moving into informal education. And there's a lot of the same threads there. Yeah. But also I have more time to research and put like thought into my posts rather than, yes. oh, math math assignment due at midnight. Need to bang out an article really quick. So.
1: Right. And it seems like you've like more and more connected with other people who are doing interesting work mm. and research. And I mean, you just have a lot to say about it all.
0: That's true. Yeah, definitely. I've learned. I've learned so much from doing the podcast and being able to interview people and getting perspective from people like you, I think brings a lot more value into the project because now it's not just me. And even if I'm like the main author, I can bring in a lot of outside perspective.
1: Yeah, totally. And you learn more about what it meant once you're outside of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like travel. Also, you learn about, you know, kind of you realize what you learned once you got back when you're in the middle of oh, travel, man. you're just like, Oh, it's so awesome. And
0: so was Ireland your first time leaving the country?
1: No, no? I've, um, no, I've been really lucky. I've gotten to do quite a bit of traveling. Okay. Um, okay. and, uh, yeah. And that's something that I'm, I really, that's another kind of passion of mine. Um, I speak Spanish and so I've done a lot of traveling in Spanish speaking countries. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And, uh, it is really cool. And it's something that, uh, I think is a really valuable part of a lot of people's experiences. Hmm. And fits in quite a bit with the topic today, which is I think that a lot of people, I don't want to say people do study abroad wrong, because I think studying abroad is inherently valuable. But I do think that a lot of people don't strategically take advantage of that experience to the extent that they could. Okay. Um, so people come back, or they, they go and they study abroad for a semester, and that's on their transcript. But it's often not on their resumes. Unless it's a line oh, item under yeah. education, you're right. You know, and so if people decided to just do you know one or two things while they're abroad, or sometimes directly after, then it can be on their resumes forever. So you could um, you could be part of a student organization at your host university, or you could do a language exchange with other students at your university. Or you could, um, if you're not in an English-speaking country, you could uh, look and see if they need people at the elementary schools or high schools to do English uh, help in, in classrooms. Yeah. And, or you could write something and publish it while you're there. And then all of a sudden, it can become part of this narrative of who you are. Um, even if you don't ever want to study there or live there again, um, it can always be something that you can use.
0: Definitely. Uh, You know, I I love that because study abroad, like just just the thought mm -hmm. of going to another country, taking classes, and then maybe doing some travel on the side—that's like a big enough thing already. And I think a lot of people do stop there. But you're right; there's definitely so much more opportunity. Uh, I don't know if you got to episode 13 with Travis Sherry, the travel hacking guy.
1: No, really interesting episode. (laughs) Yeah, he's
0: like he's a dude who he has all sorts of crazy tricks for getting like hundreds of airline miles and traveling for free, but. We talked about travel as a resume item, you know, even if it's just individual travel, because it makes you interesting. You know, even if you didn't go over there and like win a Nobel Prize or something like the fact that you went to Sweden or that you went to Africa or something makes you interesting. Yeah. And I think a lot of students, if they just study abroad, they're going to say, I studied abroad. Mm -hmm. But if you went over there and like you said, I studied abroad and I got involved with my host university or did something really cool. Yeah. That's a cool story you can tell.
1: Yeah, totally, and it can um, it can also make studying abroad better. <laughs> um, oh yeah, you know, especially if it's you know with other students at your university where you are you're actually meeting local people on yeah. another level, and or if you're providing a service instead of always having asked having to ask people for help. <laughs> um, yes, where you can have that kind of different experience, and it it deepens your own. You know, time there, which is, which is so cool. And I think, I think that's generally true about getting involved is that, mm. you know, it doesn't being more involved and in being, um, you know, strategic about your activities and your extracurriculars. Um, I think that makes college better.
0: Yeah. And so here's i uh, I'm going to make an admission. One of the big reasons I never studied abroad was because I was afraid that I'd be lonely there, like wherever I went. Um, I didn't, you know, I also didn't want to leave my friends and everything. I was very happy where I was, but there was was like this fear, you know, that I'd go there and like go to class and go back to my dorm and be too shy and like not able to speak the language. And you're really right. I guess I never even like considered the fact that I could do all the same things I was doing in Iowa, all the the getting involved in clubs and all that kind of stuff could be done there. And that's how I made a lot of my friends at home. So I think it's just like challenging yourself to push beyond the typical go to class, maybe take the train to, to big city at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: totally. That's (laughs) totally understandable though. Like it, especially until you do it, it feels really scary. And then once Mm -hmm. you do it, it's like, ah, but it's great. And people want to meet you. And, (laughs) but you know, it makes perfect sense. And you, no one wants to think of themselves eating lunch in the cafeteria alone. You know, like that's, that's a lot of people's worst fear, but that's not most people's experience at college and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's very infrequent that that's anyone's experience in college. And it's the same when you're studying abroad, you just meet people. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I remember that fear and I definitely, you know, I definitely had it, but no, I've done most of my travel by myself since then. Cause you meet super interesting people from all over the world. Oh, um, I
0: know. Do you stay in hostels when you travel then? Yeah. It's so yeah. cool. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's not a nice hotel, but in return you meet like the coolest people. Yeah. Like I think I met, I met a dude from Australia. Last time I was in Japan, uh, we were randomly staying at a capsule hotel, which is like you stay in like a little box basically and there's like a whole row of them down the wall and uh Whoa. right before bed i just like <laughs> went up to this common room and then there was this dude from australia and we ended up talking for like two hours and then we chat on facebook every once in a while now awesome. super cool
1: yeah yeah australians really travel and actually that was a big deal um so after I, I basically uh, was struggling with Spanish, I was hoping it would be way more fun than it was in high school. And at least in my experience, it wasn't <laughs> right away because learning language is hard. Um, and so I decided if I made it through freshman year Spanish, I would go and um, do a few weeks of intensive study somewhere. Okay. And I went to Guatemala, which was incredible. And I met all of these Europeans who were my age or even a little younger who all were doing a year of traveling in between high school and college.
0: Yeah. I've heard of that
1: because for them, college is free. Mm -hmm. And so you work for a little, like you work for six (laughs) months and then you travel until the money runs out and then you go home and it's incredible.
0: I really like that. (laughs) It's, it's kind of unfortunate that we have like this, I don't know, this like expectation here that you need to graduate high school and immediately try to get a bunch of scholarships to go to school. And then if you like, take a gap year. You're, you're leaving a lot of those on the table.
1: Yeah. And I really wish we
0: could have that kind of a dynamic where it's totally okay to take a gap year because I think, I think almost everybody would be good, you know, better off for taking a gap year with some real work or travel or something.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. And, Mm uh, yeah, hopefully we will go that direction. And I do know some people who have done that or took a gap year during college. And I think they were all glad they'd done that. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> that didn't even occur to me when I was in high school, though. I just totally oh, was, yeah. was just following what everyone else was doing.
0: Same um, here. Junior year, tour of the college, sign up, fall, wait for the yep. acceptance letter. And right. then off we go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. regret it, you know?
1: No. I, I mean, don't regret it.
0: But I, I do recognize that had I decided to take a gap year, I probably would have learned some really cool things.
1: Totally. But
0: I did travel during yeah. during college. I did it with friends instead of as a study abroad. And I definitely think it was one of the most life changing experiences I've ever had.
1: Yeah, totally. There's
0: something about getting out of your home country that really like seeing how people live in a different country that puts a lot in perspective.
1: Yeah. And I don't think I'd have that if I didn't go. Did that, um, did that have anything to do with starting college info geek as a, more as like a business (laughs) now and the podcast and all the great stuff you've been doing?
0: Uh, not exactly. It's funny. Um, I started College of a Geek after my freshman year because I had a job in in, like I had a job at the university, which was basically to answer all questions that new students had. So I was like college advice dispenser robot already and being paid for it. And then uh, there were other blogs that I had wanted to write for. I applied for one. They rejected me. So I was like, I'll start my own thing. Why not? It'll look good on a resume, I suppose. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. As time went on and it got more successful, I began to see people who would travel full time, like Sean Ogle. And I think Steve came for a while, did like this huge year long world trip where he didn't come home for a year. And I was like, man, I could have a laptop, my backpack and travel the world. That'd be so cool. After two world trips, I realized that's that's not for me. Right. (laughs) I'm not I'm not the perpetual traveler kind of person. I like to have a home base and see family and friends often enough. But uh, it's definitely nice that I can work from the road when I need to. Yeah. It's harder and it stresses me out, but it can be done
1: <laughs> yeah, Totally,
0: for sure. But yes, yeah. going to Japan, one of the coolest experiences ever. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, that you want to talk about how, how do you represent life changing experience on a resume <laughs> or cover letter?
1: <laughs> yeah. Have you done That's this? Um, yeah. Well, so I've done it kind of from both ends actually, because I've also had the opportunity to, um, to, to, um, to be an interviewer and to read people for some scholarships and for other opportunities, student um, programs. And so, mm. you know, if, as you know, as someone who's, you know, doing this podcast and talking about this, your narrative of how you get started and, and what your motivations are can be super powerful. And yeah. if you can say, you know, I had this experience and it changed my life and that's why I'm the perfect candidate That's Mm. really powerful. But the trick is, is that you have to be able to prove it. Okay, You know, because I have occasionally seen, seen people who are very sincere and lovely, but they have said, um, this was a life changing experience for me. Say, for example, going and doing uh, an alternative spring break in Mexico and working in an orphanage or something, you know, just, but, and, and that was a life changing experience and that's why I want to do X. Okay. And then I look at their resume and I'd better see that life change. <laughs> you know, if you're yeah. going to try and tell me that your life was changed by something, then I better be able to see it. I should see it in your transcript and I should mm. see it in your resume. And so and it doesn't have to look the same for everyone. You know, not everyone that did that prison class had the same Transformation and and they're just as value you know they're just as valid. There's not one right way to be when you've had a life changing experience. But if you're going to claim that going to Mexico and working with kids was a life changing experience, then I want to see you maybe taking Spanish, studying Latin American history, um, looking at social inequalities and the dynamics in the region or getting involved with teaching in the United States and working with underserved communities here or whatever you're trying to say the transformation is like i want to i want to see it I, mm. you know so that gets to, that gets bandied around you know that you had this life-changing experience and that's good you know and if you can show it then how powerful you yes. know if you can show me the life change you can say this was the life-changing event and here's everything I've done and what I want to do with you that's going to continue that, then yeah, like, yes, you are the person. (laughs) Uh, I (laughs) I want to work with someone like you, you know?
0: (laughs) I think that's really powerful. That's actually really good because you're you're essentially saying, instead of like line item on resume, this is awesome, you're showing like how the dots connect. Like I was here, this changed me, so now I went here, and now you're showing why I am now the next dot on your narrative and right. why it makes sense you totally. know and i don't want to be a part of that story at that point i don't totally. want the story to seem like it's just kind of made up
1: <laughs> right right and i don't think anyone says that you know completely flippantly but i also yeah. think you know and it's and it's fun to think about all the ways that something you know the ways that things can get started and so a mm-hmm. volunteer experience could lead someone to decide to be an architect or a better or a different kind of architect than they were planning on yeah So they can make disaster-proof houses or, you know, the same experience might inspire someone to become, you know, a medical professional and do Doctors Without Borders or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not a right answer, but there's a way to, to craft your narrative and to be genuine. Yes. You know, um, it's not, I'm not saying do this in a strategic calculating fashion. (laughs) How can I prove that I'm going to change the world? You know, you prove it by living it. Yeah. Yeah right? Yes,
0: exactly. But yeah, there are definitely ways you can represent that and your transformation on your cover letter, on your resume. It's funny. I've been, my friends have gotten to the point where they're basically all done with college or they're finishing up and they're like applying for jobs and getting jobs. So over the past few months, I've been reading my fair share of cover letters and resumes from them.
1: Right. (laughs) And
0: whenever I get, you know, the typical cover letter, that's like basically the resume all over again. I'm like, delete this. Tell a story about something cool, you know?
1: Yeah, anything. It could
0: be anything, but especially if if you have a life-changing, quote-unquote, experience that led to something, start with that. Right. Um, Interestingly enough, when I talked to Brad Karsh, who has read like 10,000 resumes as a recruiter, he was like, yeah, I've read less than 100 cover letters because I can tell right when they start, you know, it's the resume all over again. So, but if you start with something crazy, like, I went to Honduras. And this is how it changed my life. And this is why my experience is going to make me a great candidate. Like that's going to get read.
1: Yeah, totally. Or, you know, or I was playing ultimate Frisbee and, (laughs) you know, realized that everyone should know about ultimate Frisbee because, you know, it was my community and my best friends. And so I decided to do a campaign to, you know, raise whatever it is. And then that led to me getting into graphic design and radio or whatever, you know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter, but But I think, you know, linking, whether it's interests or passions, however you want to frame that, but linking that with experiences and a series of them, whether they're paid or unpaid, because that's the other thing. No one has, you know, I've never handed my resume to someone and been like, "Mm, uh, yeah, that's not going to count for us because it doesn't look like you were being paid for that.
0: Yes, definitely. Never
1: once has that come up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And to that note, you can put experiences from classes on like even if you didn't go abroad like the things you learned in that present class you probably could put on there too
1: huge yeah absolutely if it's
0: uh, relevant to the company that you're applying with but yeah Yeah. i think it's all about going from basically being a baseball card with a picture and stats to being like a human being in their mind with a story so and i like that you brought up the ultimate frisbee thing because a lot of students look at these great cover letter examples and they think that oh i have to have like some amazing crazy experience where i did some sort of world-changing thing to write an interesting cover letter. Right, and you don't. When you don't, you could just write about what got you interested in, what you're interested in, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Just
0: beyond I picked it out of a hat is interesting.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I, I wanted to do this since I was eight is also not super interesting unless hmm. it's... And then, you know, I I took a class and there was a speaker that inspired me and then I met the speaker and then did an interview an interview, and then an internship with that person, yeah. then it's interesting, you know, and then it confirmed all of my dreams from my childhood. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, you know, then it's interesting. And it can be that easy. You know, I wrote, I wrote a blog post a while back, um, called inventing an internship okay, because I have had experiences where I either met someone who was doing something that I thought was awesome or I heard of an organization and they weren't advertising that they wanted volunteers or interns. And I went to the person and said, um, I want to do this. <laughs> we, here's all the reasons you should let me do this. Yeah. Please let please let me do this. <laughs> um, and people love that. People mm. love that kind of enthusiasm and the initiative. And I haven't always gotten to do it. <laughs> but they've become people who have been then mentors for me, whether they gave me the internship or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is just taking the initiative. Definitely. To do, to do stuff.
0: Yeah. Going beyond the the job postings.
1: Yeah, totally. And because um, you worked in college, right? Yep. The whole time? Yeah. Pretty
0: much the whole time. Yeah. I think the like last, there were like two semesters where I focused on this, um, yeah. but all other six were also juggling part-time jobs.
1: And do you feel, do you regret that? Do no. you feel like you had? Do you feel like you had any, like you missed out on any part of college because you were doing that?
0: Not really. Um, I mean, I, I guess I missed out on studying abroad, if I can say that, but I went abroad anyway. So right. really the thing I, I regret was quitting all my part-time jobs the first time during my, yeah. I think it was during my junior year. Um, yeah, I was a CA or an RA for the first semester what? and I had a second part-time job. And I decided to quit both of them. I thought I would work really hard on my business. And what actually happened was I had built up all this practice being an employee and right. putting in my like hustle time, you know, in little pockets. And then right. I immediately gave myself all this time, like just classes and college info geek. What could go wrong? And right. then all this time, like you don't know what to do with it. So I didn't I didn't output like anything more than I was yes. in previous semesters. Yes. So I have I think, had to learn to build good habits and like consistency in my output.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, um, I think that's a really common experience, you know, maybe not for everyone, but I think, um, generally when I'm busier, my, my, when I was busier as a student, my coursework was better mm. and everything else I was doing was more awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I spent, when I was busier, I spent better time with my friends and, yeah, it's uh, precious.
0: Yeah. You know, all that time is precious. Yeah,
1: and, totally.
0: And, you know, now now I can say, well, now I have all the time to work on College of Boogie Kako. I'm not screwing it up now. Well, there's more I'm trying to do with it. So
1: Right. Well, and it He's also little, sounds like you've created some really deliberate structures.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have those before.
1: No, because you had so, college. Yeah, college was your structure. Yep.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it's so easy when you get time. It's so easy to say, well, now I have so much time. I'm going to work on this. Obviously, I have, you know, all this free time to work on it. But right. we're very good at, making the work fill the time allotted for it, no Absolutely. matter how little work it is.
1: Yes. <laughs> yep, it really is. And so, I mean, that is something, that's something that I've talked with a few people about where, you know, being busy with extracurriculars and jobs and things like that, that's not going to make college less, op, uh, less awesome. Mm. There's, there is a degree of too busy for sure. But yeah. for the most part, unless your only idea of awesome is binge drinking Wednesday to Sunday, um, (laughs) (laughs) then you're not going to be able to have time for other awesome things, but that's going to, that's going to lead to your own situation. Um, but there, you know, it's not, you know, if you have college and a job and a volunteering thing, you're really excited about and a sport, you're still going to have friends and you're going to have friends in all of those things who may or may not be people you would have ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, and more likely than not, you're going to enjoy everything that you're doing more.
0: Yeah, I actually got an email a while back from somebody who wanted to know how they could make friends who like are active, cool people who do interesting things. And I was like, delete all the friends who are and put you in right. front of that. Yep. And yep. if you do those things, you're going to meet the kind of people yeah. who do those things. So
1: Totally, yep. totally right. Yes, if you are an interesting involved person who gets good grades, <laughs> yeah. then you're going to have friends that are like that. And that's going to be, yeah.
0: and it might not I be mean, all your friends, always, but that's no, fine.
1: that's, that's the other thing too, is, um, you know, yeah. I've, I've definitely, um, felt like some people are reluctant to get outside of the comfort zone and either mm. find another, or they they have an activity that they think might be interesting or might, you know, lead to a passion or, or whatever, but their friends aren't doing it. And so it feels scary. Um, and the fact is you're just going to make other friends with that same interest and you can keep your old friends, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to have a hundred percent match for activities with your friends.
0: Yeah. And also to briefly touch on the other side of that, um, I've heard of, you know, some people who want to get really involved and do crazy things and they feel like they have to ditch their old friends.
1: Oh, to do yeah, it. that's not true. Either that's not
0: true. All. I mean, you can be friends with people who aren't at the same, like have the same interests as you, maybe not the right. same level of craziness as you. Yep. Totally fine. You know,
1: totally you're going to have
0: multiple groups.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's so much richer Then mm-hmm. you know, that's a it's a better college experience if you know people in in who are doing different things, who aren't all studying the same thing, um, who don't all care about the same things, who aren't all planning to do the same things. Um, yeah, totally. It's a, yeah, you don't have, you don't, you should never ditch anyone if you can help it, you know? <laughs> um, Definitely. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing for sure.
0: And you should start a podcast so you can make even more friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love doing this. It seriously is a great way to make friends. Yeah. So, Make it one he right is. now. But yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and um, and actually, I can't remember which, which episode it was on that you were talking. Um, you were talking about how um, when sometimes people will say, "I want to be a writer" or "I want to be an illustrator," and I think your your interviewee was saying, you know, well, if you haven't already started, I kind of don't believe you.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, I don't remember which person said that, but I I definitely remember having yeah. that conversation. And I just
1: thought that was so true because there's yes. no reason to wait. Um, there's reasons that things haven't happened yet. I haven't mm-hmm. done everything I want to do in my life, but I've gotten a start toward an awful lot of things. And that.
0: Yeah. Um, if you're like often saying you want to do something, you should be doing some sort of like thing related yeah. to it at least.
1: Yeah. You know, it's you like the people who are
0: like, I really want to work out, but I need to have like perfect running shoes and,
1: yes. and like
0: spandex bike suit or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, dude, just go get a Walmart bike and ride it.
1: <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can upgrade later. Exactly, and uh, yeah, there's no there's no sense waiting on that stuff. And also, actually, I was one. I, I wanted to ask you something, which is, um, I have an opinion about this, but nothing to back it up. So, mm-hmm. um, if you Do you think that if um, someone goes and asks um, a CEO or someone in the community for an informational interview and coffee, do you think they're more likely to be excited to have that interview with a college student or a recent grad?
0: That is a good question. I, I think a rational person will disregard the status of the person. You know, I think if it were me, I would just want to say you're on this path and you look up to me. So I want to give you my time, you know? Yeah. And I'm not going to look at the fact that maybe you're a student or not. I think realistically it may be beneficial to be a student. I think so too. Because I think it's easier. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're post-grad, then you fall into like adult category, which is everyone, right? Yeah. If you say, oh, I'm a college student, I think you immediately like conjure memories in the person's mind of them, like their own student days. And I totally. think like that label makes it easier to remember. Like, I remember when I was scrappy and hungry and a student had no money and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, realistically, it might, it might be easier if you're a student. That being said, I don't want to discourage anybody who may be out of school listening to this. Like,
1: yeah, totally. Do it. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I'm totally. not in
0: school, and I've been able to talk with all sorts of cool people just by showing interest. You know.
1: Yep, that's that's exactly how I feel about it too. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I do think that students have. I think students sometimes feel frozen because they don't have the credential or mm. they're just a student, and I think that's the worst thing because there is this general goodwill towards students to be helpful and to encourage the scrappiness and and things yeah. like that and and I do think that that's real so shouldn't hold anyone who's graduated back from doing whatever it is that comes into their heads but um I do think that you know sometimes people feel like they're too young or you know, people won't take them seriously. Like for a long time, I've, I feel like I've wanted to be 30 for my whole life. Like I just felt <laughs> like, and if, if I hit 30, people are going to start treating me like a serious human being. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's not true. People will, nope. people will treat you the way that you present yourself.
0: Yes. Like, and I guess I want to touch on that a little bit more when I was a student, um, and maybe even a bit after my student days, it was, there was this like problem I had where if I wanted to connect with somebody I felt like there's x y and z I still need to do so oh that it's like gosh, on yes. my website or something like that like
1: yeah oh I want
0: to connect with this person who's an expert traveler I need to write a blog post about how I know everything about travel so they'll respect me totally that will just paralyze you and it won't matter because the most important thing that you can have to connect with somebody is interest yes genuine interest so it I, doesn't I, matter that much if you are art like you don't need to be a competitor of theirs, you know?
1: Right. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And actually, I have a confession. Um, I was terrified to write to you. And this is my first ever podcast appearance. Oh, really? Yeah. I think you're doing great. So <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. And I knew I would. But I just like, yeah, I had all of these things. Like, I should do this first and this first and this first. It's like, no, this is someone that likes to talk to people
0: Yeah.
1: Um, who is, you know, working in the same general space as me. And likes talking about ideas and I have ideas. And so let's go, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is something that for years I've wanted to do because I love podcasts and I've always thought, you know, that would be amazing if someday, and it's like, okay, no, today's (laughs) a day, no more Sundays, you know, it's a perfectly good Monday. I think it, it, I think this is the moment. So, yeah.
0: And here's the thing. I I knew who you were and that was a big thing. Like I've read your blog before. I know you've shared my stuff before. So like you were on my radar So when you emailed me, like us, you asked to be on my show, but I was like, I know who you are. You know, I know you have a lot to contribute. I know you're really cool. You're not just trying to do it to become more famous or something like that. So it was instantly and easy to say yes. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's the kind of thing where you like immediately pop out of the woodwork and you're like, hey, let me be on your show. You don't know who I am. Right. You know, I have I actually have several emails in my inbox from people who did that, and I'm just like. Not that and I so, hate you, but I'm busy. Right,
1: right. No. And the scrappiness is good. But also, I mean, again, like I, I have proof that maybe I didn't have proof that I was a podcast, you know, podcastable. <laughs> maybe I will now. Um yeah. but I did have proof that, you know, I, I have things to say. I've thought about them seriously. I've committed a lot of time and energy to becoming articulate on these things. Yeah. Um and and like you said, I knew who you were. Um, you know, and you again, you you don't get that. You don't get that just by listening and mm-hmm. just by learning. You have to start taking action to know, for one, to know that you can do it, and for two, so that other people know you can do it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so, like, to peel to peel back the curtain a little bit and like go to the meta of booking guests and everything. Number one, it's my job as the host to like drive the conversation. Yeah, I'm very, very, very happy if somebody ends up being like super, like, you know, conversationalist, awesome to talk yeah. to. But it is my job. But I could tell right. because you emailed me with specific things you wanted to talk about. You said, I, I can talk about these things. Here's an experience. I have a story I have. And then I was like, Okay, that's cool. So I I won't have to basically show up and pull teeth. You have right. something in mind to talk about.
1: Yeah. You know totally. So
0: it was it was a pretty easy decision.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad I awesome. did it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad. This isn't the part where you say, I really regret what we're doing here. Oh man.
0: <laughs> no, this has been super fun, but I do actually need to start packing because I haven't packed yet and I'm going to New York tomorrow.
1: <laughs> right. Don't forget your cables and oh, yeah. your uh, ID and otherwise you'll be fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. The, the one thing is I do have a, like a big list that I always keep for traveling and I travel out of one bag. So my girlfriend's oh, always like, why aren't you packed yet? And I'm like, because it takes me 15 minutes. You know, it's one backpack.
1: <laughs> do you feel a little smug about your one backpack? Uh, because because yeah, I, like to tra- I, I like to travel with one bag and I feel <laughs> really smug about my one bag. I like
0: don't want to feel smug. I don't want to be like one of those smug hipster traveler, like minimalist dudes. But yeah, when I see somebody like lugging a giant roller bag and like a duffel bag slung over their shoulder, I'm like, I didn't bring my sofa right to new york city (laughs) and now i don't have to drag it around
1: yeah and i recently traveled with a ton of stuff and felt like i had because i was moving back from ireland right and so i felt like i kept having to i I felt like i needed to explain to everyone like i know this is a lot of stuff but i i'm moving from another country you know they're like don't don't judge me um trust me and no one does mostly right yeah (laughs) I, i can do this with almost nothing um yeah. But that's just a funny aside. But yeah, that's, that's cool. You're going to New York for the the other podcast you're on. Listen, Money Matters. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'll uh, get to hang out with Andrew a little bit and in do person, some fun stuff yep, in person and uh, get to meet a couple of other friends there. So it should that's be a great. fun trip.
1: Yeah. Internet people in person is a is a really funny thing. It'll, yeah. Uh, it's
0: always pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. And you said you're in, you're in Portland now, right? Yeah. Well, if yeah. I happen to come out to World Domination Summit this July, then maybe we can meet up. I'm not oh yet sure if I'm going. Uh, I went last year, and we'll see what happens this year.
1: Yeah, totally. I would love to meet you in person and anyone else because I'm still meeting, you know, meeting people and making friends. So if you, uh, if the Portland people, want to come out of the woodwork, then I'm just hanging out <laughs> here There's in so Northeast. There's cool
0: so many cool person, so many cool people in Portland.
1: Yeah, it's a great place to be. So yeah.
0: awesome. So if people. Listening anywhere, want to connect with you or find your work, where should they go?
1: Um, yeah, I'm so I blog at mycollegeadvice.org and I'm on Twitter at KD Advice, or you could write me at uh, KD at org. And, um, and that's yeah. KD
0: College Advice, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because <laughs> it so could KD, sound like KD, yeah, KD College no, Advice.
1: Right, yeah, totally. No, I'm KD Dwyer, so KD College Advice. Um, awesome. Which was a panicked Twitter handle. I should be Twittering. (laughs) Let's do this one. Um, But yeah, totally look me up.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right, well, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Katie. Once again, if you got questions, you can email me. I'm thomas at collegeinfogeek.com, and I would be happy to answer your questions. It helps me create new content, uh, basically lets me know what I should make next. So definitely let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what your goals are. I would love to hear from you. And uh, if you want to find my favorite resources, college tools, textbook buying resources, all sorts of cool stuff that I recommend, including my favorite books, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources, it's where you'll find all of that. So that's all I got for this week. Next week, we'll be talking to my friend Adam Clark. So look forward to that. And until then, stay cute. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.